This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The factors governing success in personal relationships are complex. It's not simply a matter of whether the other parties in the relationship are right for you. It's recognizing the multitude of factors, ranging from the personality types of those with whom you're in relationship to their embedded notion of what's most important in those relationships. Affection, emotional support, shared values, security, etc., Becoming aware of these factors and making adjustments that better align you with your relationship partners, whether in work or in personal life, is key to more success in navigating them and having them serve as motivators rather than as demotivators. Valeria Tellis interviews Jim Weinstein, a life and career counselor, marriage and family therapist, and speaker. Brought up in the New York suburbs, East Chester, Jim Weinstein attended Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut, where he majored in political science. Graduating magna cum laude, Phi Beta Kappa, Jim was accepted into Harvard Business School, where he concentrated in marketing. He graduated with distinction and thereafter began working in New York for one of America's largest ad agencies, Benton and Bowles, as an account executive. Jim rose quickly in the organization, being named vice president four years later. In the subsequent 15 years, he worked at several other major agencies, including Wells Rich Green, Executive Vice President, and Chiat Day as Director of Account Management. Among the clients he serviced were Procter & Gamble, Sony, Coca-Cola, Bayer, Mitsubishi, Fisher-Price, and Energizer. The bunny was developed under his tenure as the lead account manager. In his 40s, Jim embarked on a process of inner work and exploration that led him to move from New York to Los Angeles, and to ultimately discover the path of his current career. It started with Jim running a community-based clinical trials organization, Search Alliance, and then co-founding the internet's first psychotherapist search site, 4therapy.com. He enrolled in Antioch University's clinical psychology program, earning a master's degree and accumulating 3,000 hours of internship training, after which he opened a successful private practice in Beverly Hills. Missing the seasons and the intellectual environment of the East, Jim moved to D.C. in 2005, making a professional pivot to emphasize career guidance. In the time he had been there, he has been fortunate enough to build a thriving practice working with a very diverse, motivated, and intelligent group of clients. Jim is proud to have helped many hundreds of clients to dramatically improve their career and life satisfaction. Meet Jim at dclifecounseling.com. Here is the interview with Jim Weinstein.
in your own words, who is Jim Weinstein? Ah, that's a good question. <laughs> yes. uh, from, I think I'll answer it from a professional standpoint. I'm really blessed because I find at this stage in my life, which is uh, much closer to the end than the beginning, that uh, I have found a career path that combines all of the things that I've done and the things that I've loved uh, across my life. And that's been about three or four different types of careers. And they've all come together uh, so that I am able to provide some unique help for all of the clients who contact me. And that's very fulfilling personally, and it's wonderful to be able to make contributions to other people's well-being. That sounds wonderful to me. And how did you come to be who you are today, Jim, and do what you do? Well, as I said, that's a combination of all of the things I've done in my past, starting with being a business person, uh, being in advertising for many years, uh, and then switching to running a nonprofit and then getting licensed as a therapist and having a therapy practice and then uh, becoming a career counselor. So I bring to bear all of those things on working with my clients now. So what comes to mind when you talk about change, making these changes throughout life, is purpose. Do you believe that we have many purposes in life? So many people are laboring under the impression that oh, I, I need to find my one purpose. And my experience has been people can have many purposes. Not everyone. I mean, some people are really motivated by one purpose, but I think that's a minority. So it's life itself kind of shows that to us. It's constantly changing. And I believe that, that we human beings, we are life. We don't have a life. We are life. So right. that if, makes if sense. You're open, if you're open to it, you're observant of the changes that are going on in your outside life and the changes that are going on inside of you. My next question is about love. What is your understanding and idea of love? What is love to you? Wow. You know, I've thought a lot about this, and love is an internal state. I mean, I think we usually think of love in relation to other people or other things. And of course, it is that. But what's most important is the internal experience of feeling that love. And that can be a love for um, a person. It can be a love for, uh, let's say, a romantic partner. It can be a love for a child. It can be a love for a pet. It can be a love for uh, a destination. Uh, and while the internal resonances might be somewhat different, I think they share a commonality of a feeling of openness, of connection, of joy. So that's what I think of when I think of love. If life had one purpose, just one purpose, what would that be from your perspective? I would hope it would be, I would hope it would be about contributing to the greater good and to oneself. Uh, and that could take many, many forms. But I think the ideal purpose would combine self-growth 
with uh, an impact, a positive impact on some aspect of the outside world. Yeah, I love that too. It resonates. Yes. And what is success to you these days? And what are some of the misconceptions we have about being successful? Oh boy, this is something I talk with so many clients about. Because we live in a system where success is most easily measured by money, by status, by title. But that fades pretty quickly. The, the enjoyment that money can bring, and it certainly can bring uh, enjoyment, but it's generally a pretty fleeting enjoyment. And you're looking for the next, uh, the next hit. Whereas if you have an internal sense of peace and connection to things, that is a much more durable dimension to life. And to me, that is the true mark of success. So not defined by capitalism, but more defined by spirituality. How would you describe this sense of, uh, this internal sense of connection with oneself and others in life itself? Oh, how to describe it? Well, for me, it just comes with a sense, I'm going to use the word grace, feeling bathed in contentment that's my best description of it. Just a, a being at peace, being content, not needing to change things, although certainly being open to changing things, but not needing to change things. That's an interesting way of saying that. So being open to change, but not trying to change. Not necessarily, right. Yeah, that trying, this, uh, the idea of controlling, manipulating things, so it goes your way, right? That brings so much uh, dissatisfaction. Using one of the words that I'll be asking you questions about in a minute. I love that, Jim, and I agree a billion percent. <laughs> um, another question is about spirituality. Do you have any spiritual practices or belief systems? Yes, yes uh, of course, in miracles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which mm. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But yes, I am. I am. Okay, yeah. And uh, it's been a revelation to me. And I've just re-immersed myself in it in the last um, couple of months because I've found myself not happy with some of the feelings that I've had in terms of resentments about certain things going on in the political world causing me upset and anger that isn't necessary and is not helpful. Right. <laughs> yeah, not helpful for sure. <laughs> Turning back to my spiritual practice is really wonderful. What is one of the most profound insights that you have gained for A Course in Miracles? That our experience of life is 99% what we make of what is happening to us as opposed to focusing on the externalities of what is happening to us. So how we interpret things and how we are able to shift our interpretation so as to find a greater peace with whatever it is that is going on. Um, that's the huge insight that A Course in Miracles brought to me. And that is a practice, right, Jim? It's not oh, a, yeah. an understanding in time. Uh, no, done it's a constant, <laughs> constant practice. Yeah. And when I'm feeling out of sorts, when I'm feeling angry, when I'm feeling frustrated, I try to use that as an alarm to say, wait a minute, 
something about your thinking here is off. And you need to examine it and you need to readjust so that you're more in alignment with with your values of being okay with what is and being at peace. So it takes a lot of that practice of being open and self-aware, right, Jim? Yes. That's a big one. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? Do you have a vision for that? What comes to mind is free from negativity, negative emotions, so that you are able to more fully enjoy and embrace life. Because if you're shut down by a lot of negativity, you can't possibly enjoy all that life has to offer. Do you see that as a destination? Can we get there to the point of not having any negative feelings and thoughts? No, I I don't think we can get there in a permanent state, but I certainly think we can get there at times. And the more frequently we can do that, then the better. I love what you said earlier. Wow, that was beautiful about being open, open to change. And then just being open, to me, it means open to everything, even the good and the bad and everything, just no pushing away anything. That in itself brings a sense of peace, doesn't it? Yeah, it has been my experience. Yeah, because you feel or I feel that no matter what comes, I'll figure out a way of handling it and dealing with it. And so I can relax. I don't have to tense up about what if this happens? What if that happens? That makes me think about self-trust. That means we are trusting ourselves that we can do that. Navigate all those realms, right? The rough ones. In order to trust ourselves, we have to have some experience of successfully implementing those kinds of practices. Mm, If you don't have a track record of that, you can't really trust that you're going to be able to do it. There's something interesting about this idea of self-trust when we get to lose the sense of self, then emerge back with life itself, just being life, then you're not really trusting yourself, you're trusting life. Trusting the universe, that's right. Yeah, so that becomes so much bigger. And to me, it's just, it has been a wonderful experience to have. Trust life itself, the universe, yeah. Oh God, anything that's much bigger than we are. What is true power to you, Jim? Well, at the risk of being repetitive, uh, true, <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> true power is having power over your emotions and over your thought processes, mm. so that you don't end up in a in a negative ditch, uh, making yourself unhappy. Now, that doesn't mean you're a Pollyanna. It means that you are able to to evaluate situations and find solutions. I guess, in a more peaceful way. So it goes back to that idea of, wow, self-reliance, self-trust. It's a practice. I have too many questions for you here, for the warm-up questions, way too many. What is the world's greatest need at this time? What the world... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 That, that really is, and it's so clear in... In the political world, it's just very sad. But I try not, I try not <laughs> yeah. to let that get to me either. 
Because it's interesting when you think about peace, how can we see a peaceful reality by being peace for ourselves is the only way, I believe. There's no other way, right? We needed to to be what we want to see. That's right. It has to start with us. And I would like to explore for a moment the topic of healing. What is healing to you? And can we one day say that we are healed? Is there such a thing? Or healing is a, an ongoing process for life? It's an ongoing process. And the quicker you are able to heal and the longer you are able to stay healed, the better. But I don't think, you know, possibly with the exception, I don't know, the Dalai Lama or, or someone like that, uh, that we can ever truly achieve a constant healing and constant peace. Of course, the whole idea of healing, I guess it wouldn't have to be constant because once you're healed, in, in traditional terms, you are healed. But in actually, healing is a, there's a constant need for healing because we are constantly being wounded by our own thoughts and our own reactions. And my last warm-up question is a fun one from my perspective. What do you love most about being in a human body? Well, years ago, I would have said sex. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's uh, not a part of my life right now. I often stop and just am in wonder at, at life, at how, how did I come to be and, and have all of these thoughts and emotions, and it's just wondrous. So I don't know. Um, the incredible complexity and wonder of life is is something that I'm in awe of. <laughs> yeah, it is something to be in love with, I agree. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. So you are a life and career counselor, marriage and family therapist, and you also write blog posts or blog articles about emotional health issues. So talk mm -hmm. to me about the main inspiration and intention of doing what you do today, Jim. What keeps me inspired is seeing the results that come from the work that I do with clients and seeing people dramatically improve their lives. And that's just so fulfilling. That comes up over and over and over and over again. I wonder why. Do you have some ideas? why this is such a, a consistent response? Well, I think it depends on the kinds of people you're talking to. But I imagine the kinds of people you're talking to are people who are um, more evolved, so are less connected to material um, achievements and material um, circumstances, and a little more attuned with internal processes in the way you're saying that it's just um there are different kinds of people in the world do you believe that what is the percentage i have heard about division in a sense of 50 50 people who um, walk around with an open heart and open mind and those who are into pragmatism and materialism and just kind of um, looking for things to get and to gain is that how you view the world these days? No, not really. I think we we all consist of both of those parts, and it's 
relative proportion of those parts. And those proportions change depending on circumstances. So if I'm feeling materially comfortable, it allows me to focus more on um, the spiritual aspects of my life. If I'm feeling material cha- materially challenged, it becomes a challenge to stay in the spiritual place. Is that some of the teachings or the coaching lessons you pass on to your clients? This idea of internal satisfaction and working on that more? Gener- generally, not very overtly. But first of all, the whole label of spirituality freaks a whole lot of people out. And it's just a label. So I, I come from that perspective in working with my clients, but I don't in any way try to force that down their throats. I just point out to them. In fact, yesterday I had a, a talk with a client who's materially very successful Uh, is thinking of changing careers because of the pressures of what he's currently doing. But is concerned that he's going to be making less money and what will people think of him? And said, well, no, is that really what's important? Or is what's important what you think? But that's sometimes hard to separate. Sometimes what we think of ourselves is mainly dictated by what others are thinking of us. That as little kids, you know, what do me and daddy think? Trying to earn their their respect. Hopefully we grow out of that, or hopefully we have parents who imbued us with other values besides material success. How do you help them to see, to have a clear vision, almost like getting out of their heads and being more in the heart space, which is feeling? How do you help them to feel more themselves? to um, express what they really want in life. There isn't by any means one size fits all. Um, I would say the way I'm able to help people see a little more of that way of thinking is either through analogy. So, and, and I can't really think of one at the moment, but very often in, in conversations with people, They'll explain a certain situation and an analogous situation will pop into my mind and I'll express that to them. And that enables them to look at their situation from a different perspective. So that opens their eyes to it. One of my favorite questions is, what's the worst that can happen? Because by examining the downside, you can dismantle some of the fear that people feel that often motivates them. Mm-hmm. to be doing things that aren't really uh, emotionally healthy for them. Is fear an emotion, a feeling, or a state of mind, Jim, or all of them it's together? <laughs> it's all. It's, I mean, there is a physiological, measurable response when we are afraid, but we can be afraid of, you know, the, the, the goblin under the bed that isn't really there. But in our minds, we've created this this monster that is terrifying. The illusions, right? I have heard that the fear is just an illusion. It doesn't feel like it. That's the thing. No, and if if someone came at you with a knife, although the most advanced spiritually people would say, even that is an illusion, but 
In reality, no, that's not really an illusion. That would cause a, a huge fear response. But how often are people coming at us with knives? We may think that that's what's going on, but in fact, it's usually not. And that's why I say, what's the worst that can happen? Trying to dismantle some of the fear. Let me ask you this question. How do you describe a emotionally healthy person in comparison to a person who is not? Would fear be the main component? Mm, I, you know, I, I, that's a huge question. Um, what is emotional health? It would, it would be looking at one's circumstances and situation in, uh, I'll call it an objective fashion. So not, not to give too much weight to certain things that can skew our, um, our state of mind and our reactions. Yeah, so it goes back to the, what we talked earlier about self-awareness, the inner work, isn't it? Doing the healing work. Yep. That's what really is. So let's talk for a moment about career and job dissatisfaction and life satisfaction. Let's see, I have so many questions here. Yeah, I would love to hear your perspective on dissatisfaction with work life and in its connection with relationship issues. It seems like you make a connection with these two from some articles that I read on your website or you sent to me. Well, when you think of work life, it's more than half of our waking hours is involved in work for most people. And if more than half of your life isn't going well, it's obviously going to have an impact on the kinds of relationships that you have and the quality of those relationships. So if you're dissatisfied with more than half of your life, it's very hard to have a, a comfortable and positive uh, set of relationships because the dissatisfaction is going to seep in. So it's very much connected. In relationship is a huge, right? It's a huge part of our lives. And I love relationships because they teach so much about ourselves, actually, <laughs> than anything uh, else. <laughs> if you're open to it and observe that, because unfortunately, so many people look at relationships and say they need to change or because of what they did, I'm having a problem rather than looking, well, why did I react that way? What is it about me that is causing me that unhappiness? Wow, that changed everything from yeah. my experience too in practice. <laughs> it's a huge shift from looking at what needs to change outside to what look what needs to change inside. And that's funny how if we are in that reactive mode, which sometimes we can't help but operate from that state, then we just automatically say that <laughs> or get to experience this quite the opposite of blaming others and um, pointing the finger, which is not helpful. We don't get anywhere with that. But nope. It's something that happens. And I keep wondering why. Like I have been practicing being into the uh, spirituality and doing all these practices. I mean, lots of them. And they still come. Uh, sometimes they still become reactive. And I'm like, what's happening? And then I go back to the idea of being life itself. You, we can't control life. So we got to be open to that too. I mean, to me, it's like one of the, the most insightful and the wisest thing I can think of just kind of surrender 
to life, not even surrendering, but uh, being open to be life and without judgments, no judgments. That's what it is. Now, when I hear that, I think, well, that's, that's kind of impossible because we are going to have a quick judgment about a situation. Oh, this is good or this is bad. Or, But then the trick is how do you move out of that automatic uh, response into a more thoughtful way of approaching it? I think a judgment comes with belief systems, right? That we believe something and now... Uh, something happened that doesn't really match with our system, our belief system, and then we just overreact. But then there's also another word I like to use is discernment. Mm-hmm. This is, we can't, you're right, we can't navigate life without discerning. So we do know what feels good, what doesn't feel good, and, and all that. But it's the energetic charge, uh, the energetic um, weight is not there. We discern, but without at peace, we are at peace. So that makes life so much easier. I mean, this reality that we call life so much, much easier. Another question. Uh, I have too many. Let me go back here and see if they will make sense after everything that we talked so far. I wrote some questions here about career dissatisfaction. How do we learn to identify what really matters to us? Is that something that you also teach and coach your clients, Jim? A lot. Yeah. I think, again, observation is very important. You need to be looking at what are the kinds of things that you do that you lose track of time as you're doing them, or what kinds of things are you doing that when you're done doing them, you feel energized as opposed to depleted. Those are going to be really good clues as to the kinds of things you want to spend more time doing in your work. And that, uh, with that in mind, I wonder if all of us can get to this uh, state, to this point of living from that place of satisfaction, of doing the things that matters to us in our hearts. Is that something that we can all achieve, you believe? It's something I believe we should be focused on moving towards. Yeah, you know, anytime I hear a sort of a total statement about we need to be completely free of a judgment or we need to be completely satisfied with that's that's not going to happen. That's not realistic. But to strive for maximizing contentment and minimizing uh, upset, that's what we should be aiming for. And eventually we'll get pretty close to uh, being there almost all the time. Yeah, so it's a matter of focusing on the things that we want for ourselves. That has to do with attention, doesn't it? So always bringing back the focus to what we want. Right, and then making the effort to get there because, you know, a lot of uh, spiritual practice practice says talk about envisioning what it is you want. And that's an important step. But then you have to do the work. It's yeah. not just <laughs> so true. imagining a situation <laughs> and then hoping that that come your way. Thank you for adding that. So true. Yes. I mean, everything in life is in the human body is work, isn't it? We talk a lot here also about becoming effortless, doing things at ease. And it's possible, though, to be to do things, what we have to do, even though it's a lot of work, like I have a lot of work. And I, I do most of my work at peace. 
And I'm really content and happy doing all that work, the massive work. <laughs> so and it is possible. Yeah, especially if it is something that resonates with the heart. That's what it is that makes it so much easier. Yeah. I was just going to say, when I'm engaged in uh, a session with a client, I am putting a lot of effort into it, but it feels effortless. And that's a great judge of, are you doing the right thing with your life in terms of your work? That what you're doing doesn't feel like it requires a lot of effort, but you are putting effort into it. So there is a book that you mentioned. You sent it to me. It's, uh, the title is Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived, Joyful Life. Talk to me about how did you discover that book and what you have learned from it? You know, I don't honestly remember how I came across it, although I am constantly reading books about guiding people towards um, better careers. I've, I've read dozens of them, and this was one that really stood out for me. And I've ordered probably a couple of hundred copies and given it to clients, because rather than saying, I want you to order the book, it's easier if I can just hand them the book. Although... I'm not seeing anyone in person right now, so I can't read <laughs> <Yeah>. the book. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I don't remember how I came across it, but what I've learned is that for 98% of my clients, it really works. And that's what the proof of uh, efficacy is. Is it having the results that clients are coming to me looking for? And that is part part of what I often assign to them. And uh, it's very successful. Yeah, I never heard about this book, but the title, it's very inspiring, Designing Your Life. Uh, and there are many exercises there, right, Jim? I read some of the writings from you about the book. And then you mentioned exercise like creating a good time journal. That's one of them. Ah, that sounds good to me. Um, and then um, exercise that poses some very fundamental questions about the role of work in life. That there are many exercises that you mentioned and some examples of the questions. And then there is also something that you mentioned. You said from the book, there are many versions of ourselves, each of which can lead to building a satisfying career. That is so true when we think about uh, multiplicity, right? Being many and not just one. That's right. So true. That's, that's very spiritual. I know I'm using that label again, but it sounds spiritual to me. And then um, another point in the book you mentioned was reframing dysfunctional beliefs. And then you mentioned about the book, you said, the value of assembling a group of people to help you come up with ideas to explore and ways of exploring them. So communities and not doing the work alone. I love that concept. That really, really helps. Now, what I have found is that often it's difficult for people to assemble a group or they are reluctant to assemble a group because it feels like a, a big chore. But by turning to others, maybe on a one-to-one one -one basis, but a number of different people on a one-to-one -one basis, you can achieve pretty much the same thing, which is soliciting ideas from others who know something about you mm. to suggest ideas to consider. Yeah, 
I love that. It takes being humble, doesn't it? To, it does. Uh, right? Yeah, to ask for help and work with others. That's part of the difficulty is, gee, I'm going to look like I don't know what I'm doing or I'm going to look like <laughs> I'm weak yeah, or yeah. stupid. Yeah. So we need to get over that. I mean, if this is what we want, right? To get more clarity, we need to be humble. And people, people are quite willing to, to help. Oh, yes. Yeah. Has been my experience, too. Yes. Very, very much. We are not alone. That's the biggest illusion of all <laughs> at every, every level <laughs> that I can think of. We are not alone. That's a very powerful message to be reminded of, right, Jim? All of us. So let's see my ending questions. Let me ask you this one. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life as of today? The hardest lesson... The hardest lesson and the most valuable lesson has been to be in the present. It's so easy to be captured by regret, by guilt, by shame, by, you know, I shouldn't have done this. Why didn't I do this? If only I had done that. And there's value to looking at the past and learning from it, but we spend way too much time there. And I know I did. And the more I can be in the present and be grateful for what is, the happier I am. And that's, that's been a lifelong lesson. Mm, yeah, that's another profound practice. I agree. We all can relate to it. I can relate to it very much. Being present with what is present. So my last two more questions. What is another word for life? Um, the word that comes to my mind is joy. And I don't know that. Might not make sense, but that's what popped into my head. Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> and my last question is, what are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? Oh, love, impact, feeling that they've made a difference. Mm, yeah. uh, what else? That's two. Close relationships. Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes. I love that. Love relationships and contribution, right? Doing what we are here to do, going back to the idea of doing what matters, that will lead to that, it seems to me. Thank you so much, Jim, for your presence today, for sharing your wisdom, for doing the work you do in this reality and everything else in between. Thank you. My pleasure. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? If you just Google Jim Weinstein, life consultant, career consultant, career coach, <laughs> you'll find me. I'm, I'm right on page one of Google. Oh, wonderful. And I do have the website too. It's www.eclifecounseling.com. Right. Yeah. So I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Jim. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jim Weinstein and his work, please visit dclifecounseling.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.